Jordan is on best. Harper's on middle. Play together, they believe. Um, if there's Levert, it's cold. Levert, back in. Speed. Oh, he's a one-man wrecking crew. Holiday, shot clock down to six. Finds one. three. Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Schindler. Uh, psyched to be joined back again, reconvening with uh, editor and co-host Tom Lewis. Tom, how are you doing? It feels like it is, uh, it's been almost forever. It's been like a week, which I think is... The longest we've gone without talking, either on podcast. I mean, we texted, but like you know, it's not the same as actually talking. I know it's the longest we've gone like, since uh, uh, I started up this time, like last year. So it's kind of crazy to think about. I feel like there, you know, summer league should be right around the corner or something. It's been so long, you know, full week off here, and uh, then we got the all star break coming up. So uh, strange days indeed, but uh, yeah, great talking with you again. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I mean, you know, you mentioned the all star game, and the first thing that I want to talk about. Um, I think, all right, well, you're on Twitter, so you're aware. Um, there was a pretty big, uh, some, some pretty big discourse around all-star voting, um, this time last week when, uh, John Hollinger wrote his article about, and first and foremost, just want to say, uh, John Hollinger is a much smarter person, uh, than I am in terms of basketball and just IQ in general. I'm sure he is. Um, but he, uh, he, he's, was not the the kindest towards the Demonis Sabonis' all-star case, I think would be a way to put it, um, in terms of saying that he absolutely did not deserve a spot on the all-star roster. And I do want to stay, say, first of all, um, to all the fans who, you know, started quote tweeting him and uh, berating him, I get where you're coming from. Uh, it's fair to be um, a little frustrated, especially when things are worded that way. But I also think there's a little bit of middle ground here, but I, I just want to open it up and talk to you about that first what was your reaction to seeing that and uh, what are your thoughts on it in general and, and then we'll go from there as well but yeah you know i kind of have a uh i'm pretty lukewarm on hollinger anyway, yeah, in general so, i would say i feel similar um, he's not not always my my, cup my, my first reaction is you know quit looking at a spreadsheet and watch some games um because i know a lot of these national guys uh, they, they don't watch that many games. I mean, you can tell by the way they comment on teams like the Pacers or the Grizzlies or, well, in Hollander's case, not the Grizzlies, but, um, yeah. you know, different teams um, because it, it's impossible to watch it. You know, I, I'd say maybe Kelly Dwyer is a guy <laughs> watches every game. Um, but uh, a lot of times these guys watch snippets or, or then they'll watch the national game and, you know, it's a tradition for the Pacers to play horrible on national games. So then a lot of their narratives get, get, you know, pushed by that. Um, so, you know, you can break down Domas's numbers and, and point to different points in the season where he was an absolute surefire all-star. And then, you know, of late, definitely, I would say, you know, like you said, there's the middle ground. I mean, you can make the case either way. Um, I think, but the fact that he shouldn't be considered or, or definitely isn't a, uh, a positive overall for the Pacers this year is, is somewhat crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So I think to, to step in there, I, I, I echo some of what you're thinking as well. Like, I think, you know, he made some really good points. Like obviously Domas is like, if you look at other than the last game against Minnesota, if you take, 
the last two weeks of basketball. He was shooting 40% from the floor, 30% from three, just overall not playing well. But that coincides with the Pacers overall not playing that well. Um, So I think there there are a couple ways to look at it. Number one, like you're mentioning, impossible for everyone to watch every game. I wouldn't say that I don't think that they watch games. Like, I don't think you're going at that either. But um, sometimes it's really hard to understand the nuance of, how important, Demon- how important Demonis Sabonis is to the Pacers if you only see, like, a game a week, you know? Yeah. Um, like, watching in and out, the way that he plays, like, if if he's not opening up things inside out, uh, it's very difficult for this team to get anything going. And I think the way that I look at it, too, it's not even in terms of, you know, like, I think you can just look at the raw numbers and say, okay, I think that's that's – he definitely has an all-star case. The team is – I tend to not look too much at winning in terms of – who's an all-star because I want the, I mean, the best players having the best seasons, regardless of whether or not their team's winning. I think that's important to me. Um, and personally, I mean, I'll just be honest. I, I did a, an all-star breakdown last week and I think Domas was my first guy out just because there are a lot of really quality players who are having an all-star caliber season. Like I think I had 26 guys in the East um, for, for, you know, 13 spots. So, or it's is it 12 spots. I can't remember. I should remember, but I don't remember. Um, but point being like a lot gets brought on about, you know, his on off numbers and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think it's, it's just hard to, to look at, like, like you mentioned, it's hard to watch the Pacers play and then not take into context some of the things happening on court that lead to those numbers uh, because you can't watch the game and actually say that this team is better without the modest bonus. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think that's a great point to bring up. And it, it's it's not to say that there's I, – I, I personally don't disagree with the stop looking at the spreadsheets take. I know that you were mostly just uh, – you're, you're a little fiery about it. Um, I think that there's a place for that. And I, I, I of course, use that stuff in, in my writing and how I, you know, base my opinions and thoughts on things. Um, but I think also just in watching, like, it's very apparent, you know, there, there are just – there are reasons why that stuff happens. Like, you know, the, the team is – has not been awesome this year. Domas spends the majority of minutes on court. Um, he's not playing as much with the bench lineup as he had been last year. And the bench lineup is frankly not as good as it yeah, was last definitely. year. Um, so that's, I, I mean, there are all these things that factor into, and I know he also brought up that, and this is not me just trying to single out John Hollinger. This is just people in general who are, you know, battering down Domas's case. And I think this goes for anyone too. It's not just Domas. Like I was brought up that quote unquote, he's not a good defender. Um, I I don't I don't think that he's like an all world defensive player, but I think this comes down to the fan base too. Um, because I I'm going on a tangent. I'll I'll be honest, Tom. But I, it's uh, <laughs> Caitlin and I have both talked about this uh, just on Twitter and email and like on Pod too. We we're a little bit frustrated just talking about Miles and Domas because it feels like you can't talk about one of them oh, doing something yeah. well without somebody saying that you know you're shitting on the other one. That's not what it is at all. I think it's more like it's easier to see how good of a defender miles is because he's put in, I still don't think he's in a great position. Um, like I feel like they, he gets asked to do a little bit too much and he gets asked to play a little too aggressively sometimes, but you see miles is able to be in a positive position more often on defense. Domas is rarely in a positive position. Like in ideally he's being asked to rotate as the low man or play in a semi uh, conservative drop, you know, not having to, pressure the ball 24 seven um, he gets asked to do a lot and is out of his depth quite often. And he doesn't get completely torn apart in the ways that I think people uh, maybe illuminate that he is. 
Um, so, well, you can point out that the defense is probably better if you don't have Domas doing what he's doing. That's not on Domas. I mean, like he gets asked to do things that he should not be asked to do, frankly. Um, and, and I still think that he's in the role that he's given. He does a competent job. Um, so I do I, I do struggle a little bit with the uh, well, his defense is holding him back. Um, just because the, it's so important to take into, in, into note the context of it. It's not like he's choosing yeah. to play that way. Like that's just what he's being asked to do. And that of course still impacts your all-star ability. But at the same time, I think it's a, it's a little bit of an unfair demerit to put on him. Yeah. I mean, it's been well documented here, you know, um, uh, you know, that defensive ask of him out on the perimeter so much this year is, you know, hard to it's hard to judge his defense based on that one without sometimes guarding uh switched on the smaller guys and still out fresh i mean you know i can think that it, it stands out because it's so rare but you know he makes a play on malik beasley in minnesota out on the perimeter getting a steal it's like hey it worked you know so uh yeah it, it's it, and the other thing with you know we talk about the out-off numbers like as we've also documented here quite well He's not off that much yes. um, off the court. Um, and, and so, you know, and, and, you know, then it goes into all the matchups. And like you say, he's not playing reserve units as much, um, all that stuff. So um, there's a lot there. I mean, I, I, you know, his last, well, I don't know what, six, seven, eight games have been definitely frustrating. And, and you know, we've talked about a few of those games where he, he and uh, Brogdon combined have been so inefficient offensively. And honestly, I'd like, there's been some games where, you know, he's looked like Jeff Foster around the hoop, which I love Jeff Foster, <laughs> oh, but there's no. a reason he only shot the ball about four times a game. Well, hey, though. I've been told that Jeff Foster should have his jersey retired in the field house. No, so I, I, know. I, mean, hey, that's I love it. I love, uh, I love Foster. Oh, no, that's, the, uh, Tom, I'm kidding. That's an egregious take. If anybody actually thinks that, that's ridiculous to me. But I, and again, yeah, but, I, I love Jeff Foster, but not, no. But no. He, he definitely was, he was, to defend Jeff Foster. He was the McConnell one big man as far as like just, you know, everybody loved him. He he gave you everything he had and, and he played a role, but like he wasn't the go-to offensive guy like Domas is. Domas is. So, you know, there were there were many times when he missed a bunny and it's like, oh, Foster, you know. And But I felt that lately with, with uh, the bonus and I feel like, God, there's like a little hitch. He's not using the glass when I think he's going to and there's just all these little things I'm I'm like, I feel like, I feel like he's in his head somewhat a little bit, whether he is or not, but it just, it just feels that way with, with some of the, the looks he's getting. And then there's just like a little, little, uh, hitch or something that is just not, not working. And, um, it, it feels like it's building. So maybe, you know, more than anybody, this time off will probably be, be good for him and, and, uh, he can start fresh and hopefully get a new rhythm going. Yeah, uh, so that's where I want to jump into right away. Looking at the time off, I uh, I tweeted this as soon as we found out that the Houston game wasn't going to happen because we already knew that the Spurs game was postponed due to their contact tracing. They had to cancel or postpone three games. Um, well, right now it's postponed. I don't know. with how There's like so much uncertainty about what's even going to happen with the next half of the schedule. I have no idea. Oh, I know. That's so many supposed games. to come like, out this week, but they yeah. still haven't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and they're supposedly going to remake, re, like make up the games, but at the same time, mm-hmm. I when you know, like this, it's supposed to happen during the All Star weekend or like this time off. But like, 
I don't know, Tom. It's going to be confusing yeah. to me. We'll see what happens. I feel like it's just going to be a total play by the by your thing as much of the season has been so far. Point being, um, I think this time off is fantastic for the team. Um, granted, you don't want it to happen the way it's happening. I hope everyone in, in uh, you know, Houston, Dallas, Texas, just yeah, Texas in general area is doing okay. Um, but looking at the patients, I mean, right now, okay, uh, they are right about average in – every way, shape, and form. They're 14th in offensive rating, 13th in defensive rating. Uh, they're actually 10th in net rating. Um, their expected win-loss would be to be, you know, the 10th best team in the league, so 16 and 13. But they're 15 and 14 right now, fourth in the East. Would have been fifth if Boston had not um, choked up a 23-point lead yesterday. I just finished watching up that game. Yeah. Um, I have no idea how Boston let that go. But mainly Zion was freaking awesome. But point being uh, – with this Pacers team, like you're mentioning, both Brogdon and Sabonis have really struggled over the last two weeks. So not this past week because there's no basketball, but the, uh, the, the two weeks before then, they were really struggling. Um, and I think this is a real opportunity, A, for them to get rest, and B, my hope is that they come out and we see on Wednesday there some significant tweaks, especially on the defensive end of, of the ball, because I think – um, you know, we talked about this prior. They have not been really practicing that much, uh, just given the nature of the season. Mm -hmm. I think they've practiced two or three times now um, since their last game, which, they, I mean, that's the first time that's happened this year, as far as I'm aware. Um, I, I, I'm pretty sure it's been right around there. I mean, they don't tell us every single time that they practice, but I would imagine it's right around there uh, because of the amount of times we have been told they've practiced. Um, so, I think that is a really positive step for just the fact that they can start instituting some new things, really take a chance to, uh, to, to rework some of what's not been, been going well on both sides of the ball. Um, do you anticipate anything like that? Because I'm like, Frank, I mean, I'm very hopeful that, that we see some uh, pretty decent shifts. Yeah. Um, I would imagine there will there'll definitely be, you know, they had some time to do some self scouting and, and make some adjustments and, and that type of thing and get healthy, hopefully for the guys that are healthy. Um, it sounds like Carol Levert's doing a lot more now. I'm not saying he's got a good plan, um, but down the road, you know, at least he's still moving in the right direction. Um, and maybe, it, you know, these missed games are coming at late at the end of the year and, and uh, maybe Levert and uh, TJ Warren will be back and they'll have more games under the belt, but, um, but yeah, just as far as right now, I, I'm assuming that I, I honestly, this team is kind of what it is right now, unfortunately. Yeah. And I know it's not fun to analyze that way, but it, I mean, I've just come to, you know, resolve to that fact when, you know, if, if they do have an injury, you know, I mean, Justin Holiday is not the seventh man on this roster. He's, like a starter. He's been a starter for a while now. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and then we have TJ McConnell filling in sometime. I mean, this team is just not um, what it was built to be and it won't be. Um, and so, you know, that's where you're hoping they can find some adjustments to be able to survive with that group. And I mean, that they're, you know, it, it, it's another kind of funny thing that I've seen with the Pacers past um a few years it seems like they have a, a time off like this and they rise up the standings because they're not playing <laughs> and like boston has some troubles and, and they fall behind them and um so you know the fact that 
they've been playing at a little lower than the 500 clip of late is, is a scary thing. And that's what they got to uh, be able to avoid, you know, extending that level of play. They got to, they got to just keep hanging around 500 the way the East is right now. And then hope, hope the heck by the end, uh, I don't know, by the end of March, I guess that uh, there's some signs of hope that they can be at full, full strength. Um, so, um, but yeah, they definitely could adjust defensively with, with some of this stuff that they've been doing, especially, you know, like we, we said, having, having those big so far away from the hoop and, and then, you know, that every, also, you know, the rebounding issues they're having, I think is a lot of that because, uh, guys are sprinting in, sprinting out and, you know, when there's long rebounds, there's nobody in between. <laughs> it seems like they're just scrambling kind of out of position a lot. And, um, and that's something they should be able to, you know, everybody can, um, again, like I say, when you're self-scouting and looking at yourself a little closer with the time off, um, they should be able to find some ways to alleviate some of those issues. Yeah, it certainly sounds nice. Uh, I'm very hopeful. It does. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, the biggest <laughs> thing is just the rest. I think the rest is going to be huge. Um, and I, I don't, I mean, Karis is taking part in, uh, like you started to take part in on-court drills, if I remember correctly. I, I, there was a tweet that just came out. Um, yeah. Yeah. Bjorken, I mean, yeah he's not doing any like, yeah. you know, defense or it's all yes, just, Bjorken you know, said, so this is directly this is from J Michael on Twitter. Uh, Bjorken on Karis LeVert's progress. He's getting involved a lot. Was in four on O offense, five on O defense. All of our shooting drills are non-contact drills and he was in every one of them. So yeah. That's not to say that he is close to practicing. I mean, close to fully, right. uh, fully playing, I should say. Um, but he's he's prog- progressing. And TJ Warren was back right. on the bench before the uh, the you know before the hiatus. Or, or I don't even. There's so many hiatuses happening. It's hard to hard to tell. But <laughs> you get what I mean. TJ Warren's yeah. back. Uh, he's Left not. <laughs> yeah. So it feels like it's been a month. I, I'm very very uh. Very, oh, I know. I know. Caught off guard yeah. by all this, but you know we're we're making it work. Um, so we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back to, uh, to talk about a few more things. Welcome back, uh, Tom. So one of the things that I want to ask you too, uh, if I told you right now, uh, or not, if I told you, if I asked you right now, what would you think Doug McDermott is shooting from three in the month of February? Month of February. Yeah. So that's eight games because well, he, he missed the Chicago game. So that's eight games. Last eight games. I'm trying to think. I feel like he hasn't been shooting as well of late. Um, but he was shooting, I don't know, I'll say around 40%. <laughs> he's shooting 32% from three. Okay. Yeah, he's shooting 35.5% on the entire year. And my question is, how worried are you about Doug McDermott's shooting? Or uh, not even necessarily worried, but is it in the back of your head? Because... It is something I've thought about a lot this year um, because as much as he has improved as an interior finisher and driving to the rim, um, I keep expecting every game. You know, it used to be last year, like we've, we've talked about this before, like last year, um, if Doug McDermott was open on the wing and he got the ball, I was expecting it to go in, you know, pretty much every other time. Um, and now it's just gotten to the point where like he's missing a ton of open looks. Um and I'm, this is not me trying to talk down on, on Doug McDermott. Like he's still been, he's having a fantastic year. But I think you look at overall, the, that's part of what's been different with the bench unit. Um, they have really missed some yeah. of the ability he he brings with the shooting. 
Um, it just hasn't been there the same this year. And uh, are you uh, not, again, not worried, but like uh, how prevalent is that? And you're, you're thinking of where the Pacers are at, right? Yeah. Now? Well, I mean, I feel like, um, and I mean, I think he ended up shooting pretty well last year, but it, it was frustrating. I felt last year at times too, um, with the way he shot and, but he ended up shooting around 40%. But um, I, I am at a point with him where I, you know, when he's open, I don't expect it to go in. Mm-hmm. Um, and there have been games where he gets hot and can really take over a game. But, um, you know, more so than not, you know, um, if he's two for five, that's a good night, you know. And, you know, a lot of times he's maybe one for three or one for four or whatever. Um, and like you say, he has made himself valuable because of the way he moves off the ball and the way he has been able to finish and and um, try and help, you know, a little bit with the rebounding um, and that type of a thing. Um, but, yeah, like I almost feel more, you know, I feel more comfortable with when Justin's pulling a three uh, than Doug at this point. Uh, but I, I always feel like, It'll it'll come. It'll level out at some point. But I don't know if we're going to get there this year at this rate because um, it seemed like uh, it, you know he had a, a, a few good games in, in uh, uh, January, and I thought you know like um, well like he had a big game against the Clippers, but that wasn't um, necessarily in a, in a key game in the win. So you know that was an ugly game. So. Um, I'm still going to, you know, if the game is tight and they get an open three from them, I'm, I'll be happy to have him shoot it. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not as bullish on every time he pulls that. I, I feel like it's going in. Um, it, it seems like he's just been so streaky. So uh, it, it's interesting you raise that concern because it's not something, you know, I think if you listed them, priorities of concerns, uh, I think a lot of people would not have that up there figuring he, he's going to, uh, figure it out, but I mean, we're getting to a point here where you're, you know, this time you got to raise an eyebrow, and it's not just at home um, as much anymore. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of in general, and um, I don't know if it's because his game is a little bit more different. He's running around more and getting to the hoop more, as opposed to um, you know, playing like a you know more like a Corver or somebody just floating out on the perimeter and, and spotting up, waiting to shoot. Um, you know, maybe that's an adjustment to his style of play that, that, um, you gotta get used to, but, um, although, you know, I, I kind of feel like sometimes he shoots better when he's on the run, catching it on the run. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of a concern when, when, um, you know, he's gotta be a sniper for this team right now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I completely concur with that. And, you know, <laughs> since we're mentioning, uh, dog shooting in, in February, Justin Holiday is the complete counterpoint. He's shooting 46% from three on seven a game in February. He's been insanely good this entire year. Um, I didn't think that he could improve off of last year like I thought. <laughs> the dude um, is a chameleon, I'm telling yeah. you. Man. Well, not not to say that I thought that he was going to be bad this year or anything, but I didn't expect him to uh, to be even better. I think in some regards he has been even better this year. Like he's been – Doing more yeah. offensively. I mean, the the shot is somehow even better than it was last year offensively. Um, he's doing just as much 
if not more on defense. Um, and he's even like self-creating a little bit with the bench unit. Like he's had to, uh, we've seen him have to pull for mid range a few times and like, he's gotten to the rim by himself a few times. He, I believe he's averaging a career high um, and it's just the turnover ratio. Like he's just age 31. He's aging like a fine wine. Uh, he's been absolutely fantastic yep. this year. I actually said this uh, uh, last week. I think that it's not going to happen just because a, all of the credit's going to go to miles and it should, because miles has been fantastic this year. And overall the team defense has not been great. Um, but Justin is somebody who I think should get all defense consideration, just as somebody who watches um, all around the league and mm -hmm. uh, especially factoring in everything that Justin does. Like it's, it, he's very different from miles. I mean, obviously they play completely different positions, but more just like he's somebody who, when I rewatch a game, I see how much Justin impacts things defensively um, that I think goes unchecked or unnoticed during a regular mm -hmm. game, because often, you know, um, you'll see something that results in a pass out or, or a miss um, or somebody else gets a steal. Um, and so often it's because of, of how Justin impacts a play. Um, like he's one of the better lock and trail defenders in the league. He's really good at the point of attack too. He's just not the strongest guy, but in terms of what he can do, like, like he's fantastic at fighting over screens. Um, he's probably, I would say he's probably the best guy the Pacers have had at fighting over screens since George Hill, probably. I mean, George Hill used to be really good at that. He still is. Um, but yeah, I just can't speak highly enough of how, how, how good of a player Justin is like, that's obviously not news to anybody, but I, uh, he's just, he's just a joy to watch and he's been so good for the team. Yeah. And I think, you know, it, it, I don't think we can mention it enough, but you know, I, I mentioned he's a chameleon just because he kind of morphs into any role I need, um, at any point in the season and seems to excel. Um, and you know, he's not the number one, two, three option usually, but he's, he's reliable beyond reliable, you know, at, at the all around game and, and helping, um, you know, spackle in <laughs> wherever they need it. And, um, and, and like you say, I mean, defensively, again, you know, he is a, a key guy out there um, at, on the perimeter or wherever it may be filling in. Um, and he does a lot of talking out there too. I know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. He's a really good communicator. I, I feel, I, I feel like Aaron Holiday, his, you know, uptick in play of late, a lot to do with his brother. Cause early in the year, I mean, he was out there yelling at him on defensive stuff, getting them in the right places. And, and, you know, I feel like maybe helping them get more comfortable out there. Um, and, you know, he, he has that leadership, ability within that group of guys I, I feel um which also kind of goes um unnoticed at times as well um so yeah for whatever however the Pacers are keeping this thing together you know right now um he's going a long way like I mentioned earlier I mean he's basically a starter now um and yeah he started you know, since uh I had the numbers right in front of me I think he started since the beginning of January it's like right around there um well, I keep keep talking. I'm pulling it up. This is great podcasting here. Yeah, yeah he started every single game since January 11th. Um, so basically, right, okay. right before the Victor yeah. Oladipo trade, he started. Right, every when game. Vic was since Vic. So, um, and you know, and then they've been trying to fill in that other spot, kind of you know, with whoever's healthy and and or whoever, um, you know, fits best for that for that night, whether it's Jeremy or or Doug or whoever. I feel, I feel like all those guys. 
feel a little bit better coming off the bench, I think. But um, regardless, uh, Justin, Washington Husky, of course, um, is, you know, and, and I swear to God, he's been like this since he was at UW. He was unheralded there and turned himself into a player. He finally got his chance in the league, and, and he's, you know, taking advantage of it. And he's just, you know, that guy who, even amongst his brothers, was always overlooked, but just, you know, you got to just give him credit for grinding and, and turning himself into a monster, you know, presence in a, on an NBA team. And it, it, I just love it. I love the story because um, he's the same type of guy that I felt like he was back in college, just, you know, somewhat humble, but completely confident in his ability and um, and just goes out there and spills his guts when when he gets the opportunity and, and it, it pays off. So uh, I think the Pacers were, were smart to, to lock him up here and, and finally give him a, a couple of years to, to not have to worry about a job. And, and man, he's, he's focused on that job now. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Um, so I want to turn it over to you for a second because we didn't get to talk about any of the games uh, over the past week. Um, just kind of overarching trends. What were some of the things that stuck out to you? That, that you would have wanted to bring up on pod in general? Uh, let's see. I got to think back to the order of these games again now. Um, let's see. So we had um, – We haven't talked since uh, since the Detroit game, actually, I think. Was that the last time we talked? Right. Or did we talk okay. – did we talk after Atlanta? I can't remember. I think we talked after really? Atlanta, but we did not talk after the Chicago game. Right, the Chicago and Minnesota game, yeah. And th- those were the games. I mean, they were um, – obviously, both those games should have ended up as wins, although it, the team, I felt like, deserved to lose both games. Yeah, I, I actually uh, thought they deserved to lose the Minnesota game almost more than they did the, yeah. the Chicago game. Yeah, um, and, you know, it, it it's that the – I almost felt like the um, there's just a wear of on this team right now, you know, I, with that, you know, that that rotation of eight or nine guys, and they're the same struggles, you know, giving up rebounds and um, you know not shooting it as well. Everything is just a struggle, and I, I'm like, you know, they're basically trying to get everything through Brogdon and Sabonis still um, in these games. And, you know, Sabonis had some big numbers in these games, but it's, uh, you know, getting getting that good flow and, and um, seeing something that you can feel like is going to be a long-term go-to. Um, it just seems, you know, discombobulated. It's, it, it's frustrating to watch, you know. Um, especially when, you know, they're going inside and banging a lot and, and not getting rewarded a lot. And um, I felt like, um, you know, Miles has just been kind of, I don't know if, it, you know, it seems like he's been scouted some from the beginning of the year and, and not able to to be um, as impactful when he's on the floor offensively, cutting to the hoop and all that. Um, and again, I think we talked earlier about you know, being able to look at all this stuff and make some adjustments. Um, but uh, it, 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 
it's just been they've been a frustrating watch. I mean, I, I feel like, and this was the area where you you know you look at the schedule, and now it's going to turn take a little another little turn for the difficult here. And they were hoping they would be able to cruise through a couple of those games, but um, you know, health and and otherwise, um, there just isn't an easy game on the schedule for these guys. They they can play with anybody, but they can also lose anybody. Um, and that and that's just where they are right now. And that's kind of where I can resign, as I mentioned earlier. Like until they get full power, it's like so frustrating to um, you know get excited over anything or to get too down over anything because it's just not it, the the way they're they're constructed right now is just not uh, going to be ultimately uh, a success story. Yeah, no, I think that's a really great way to put it. And um, like you're mentioning too, I think what's what's so important about this next week, uh, two weeks of game, game, two weeks of games, gosh, I can't speak. Um, yeah. I mean, all right, so you have Golden State is on Wednesday. Golden State is, I believe, the eighth seed right now. And, and what, I've seen a lot of Golden State recently. Uh, this team's still going to struggle with Steph. Hopefully Edmund Sumner can, can play as well mm-hmm. as he did again, or more importantly, hopefully Edmund Sumner plays. Um, Alas, that's that's for Derek Kramer. Um, but you know, uh, th- this if if things go poorly the next two weeks, that could really shake up things for where this team is headed this year. Not that I again, that that's a whole separate conversation too. Um, I'm not really super in like enamored with where the team is supposed to quote unquote go this year. Just the way that things have gone, I don't think. Uh, well, I, we'll we'll talk about that at the end. But I, I think the way you're looking at it right now, Indiana's in the four seed. They're one of five teams that are above 500 in the East. Toronto is almost on par with Indiana. They're 16 and 15 paces are 15 and 14. Um, one loss Toronto jumps Boston's 15 and 15 after last night. So, I mean, you play Washington. I mean, not Washington. Gosh, uh, wish it was Washington. Uh, although they have been a little bit better lately, but the Warriors on the 24th, you have one, one game, one day off, then a back-to-back against Boston and, and the Knicks. Um, so yeah. both those teams are in actually New York is in the seventh seed right now. They are only two games back of Indiana, um, which is kind of crazy to say, just con- considering where they were last year and the year before. Oh, I know. I don't think they're going anywhere though. I mean, yeah, I, no, yeah. they're good. Like they are legit, they, a good team. RJ Barrett has been rolling. RJ Barrett's been fantastic. Like their offense still isn't great, but, um, RJ Barrett is going to be somebody who gives this team problems, uh, cause there's nobody who can defend him on the team right now. Um, but then you have a, a day off. You play Philadelphia one more day off, and then you have a back-to-back against Cleveland and Denver. So six games uh, in about a eight or nine day stretch, which is going to be a lot. And also if you only go three and three, um, even then, like that's, you're probably dropping uh, because that it's a tougher, it's not like the toughest schedule. You play like four or five playoff teams in there. Um, Cleveland is awful right now. Um, they might turn it around by the time uh, they meet in March. But right now, I mean, I think you're just looking at it. The team really has to close out well uh, if they want to come out strong and hopefully healthy out of the all-star break. Not that I think Karras and, and TJ are going to be back after that, but getting any kind of cushion is important, especially yeah. looking at how this season is going. Honestly, I'd take three and three right now and go home. <laughs> oh, that was last six. I mean, it's going to, again, you know, four of them are on the road. Um, for whatever that matters these days, but um, uh, it, 
just from how they were playing. Now, hopefully, you know, like we say, they get some some health boost and some some game tweaking boost and come out playing better. So we'll see. But uh, um, yeah, I mean, matchup with Boston's never fun. You know, New York, where they split already. Yep. Um, with those guys um, before we. Knew well, Mitchell Robinson is going to be good. out, so. That uh, that definitely makes an impact too. They've been fine uh-huh. without him, but he he gave them tons of problems. They don't really have any yeah. of the same vertical threat without him too. So, um, yeah, yeah, he's not being reevaluated until after the All Star break. So there is uh, he's not going to be there at all for that game. Yeah, so that is um, and then so yeah, I was just going to say and then whenever they start back up, I'm, <laughs> I have no idea. It's, it's crazy. They don't have the schedule out right now at all. I know yeah. it, it supposedly was sent to teams this weekend or something for them to review. And, and But even now, it's like, you know, all of a sudden the Pacers have two games that or you know, I, I guess they knew a little in advance on the San Antonio, but um, that Saturday game, all of a sudden that's gone. And so, it, you know, they're, they're making the schedule and then every day it seems like there's, they're having to adjust for – a game or two here and there. So um, it's going to be difficult getting all those games in at this point, uh, the way things are going. But um, hopefully they can push them all the end of the year and, and the pitch will be a little healthier and uh, it'll, it'll end up being a positive. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. Um, but like you're mentioning, like, I think even if, if the team goes three and three, that's 18 and 17 at the all star break. Um, which is not like that's terrible considering. I mean, that's right where the team's at right now. But if, if they go two and four and they're below 500, like it's, yeah. um, or no, they, they would be right at 500. Uh, but still like that is, that's a big difference. Um, oh no, they would be under 500. What am I talking about? Um, cause they would yeah, be, they'd be, seven, they'd be 17 and 18 instead of 18, 17. So, um, yeah, a, a big stretch, but, um, we'll see on it. Do you have anything else that you wanted to, to hit on before we close out? Uh, no, I'm just hoping to, you know, Wednesday, I'm extremely hyped for the game. <laughs> yes, and for another uh, and, episode of Pacers After Dark. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, hopefully there won't be any surprises emerging from this time off where somebody is um, not available, which would be a real problem if uh, they had this much time off and someone's not available. So uh, hopefully they'll be as full as they can be. Um, and then, you know, Hopefully stuff plays, put on a show, but Pacers win. Yes, I totally agree. Well, Tom, we will be back. Uh, I'll probably have somebody on tomorrow or Wednesday to talk up about the Warriors and get an upcoming uh, preview of them and what they expect out of the game. And also have a show on Locker Room app at 10 a.m. on Wednesday for anybody who has an iPhone and can participate. Definitely come, come be there. I'll probably do like a live mailbag pod. Um, yeah, we have a lot coming up. It's good to, to be back. It was good to kind of recharge for a little bit, though, and just kind of uh, have a couple of nights. I'm like, oh, cool. I can like I can just kind of chill out. But I, I, I've I've really missed getting to just uh, kind of have these postgame pods and um, talk pregame, too, and just uh, be around it. So it's I'm, I'm looking forward to it um, to everyone listening. Of course, be sure to go rate and review. Any Cornrows podcast over on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out. I would love and appreciate your feedback. We always want to hear from you. Uh, if you think there's anything we can do better, anything that, uh, that you really enjoy, like just let us know. It's, it always helps to hear. Um, and, uh, yeah, have a good rest of your day. Thank you for listening.
Go Pacers.